Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CAF America Radio Network, a production of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. As the leader in global giving, CAF America offers more than 20 years of experience and expertise to corporations, foundations, and individuals who wish to give internationally and with enhanced due diligence in the United States. Through its industry-leading grant management programs and philanthropic advisory services, CAF America helps donors amplify their impact. This show is dedicated to these donors and the charities they support. CAF America is uniquely positioned to serve as the bridge between these important partners and transforms vision into meaningful action. Guests on the CAF America Radio Network are leaders in their field who share tips for success and stories that inspire. Our host is Ted Hart, the CEO of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 914-338-0855. After the show, you can find all of our podcasts at CAFAmerica.org. Don't forget to dial 914-338-0855. Now, welcome the host of the CAF America Radio Network, Ted Hart. And welcome to this latest edition of the CAF America Radio Network. Thank you for joining us today. Our topic today is blockchain, challenges and opportunities for the philanthropic sphere. Uh, our interest always at CAF America is to provide you with uh, the most up-to-date information uh, that is unvarnished to give leaders in the sector an opportunity to make decisions with eyes wide open. Uh, when it comes to blockchain, there is a lot that has been written on this topic. Um, our uh, interest today in this show uh, is to make sure that you walk away with facts, more information than you had coming into uh, this program, and we hope that you will share this podcast uh, with others who are looking to understand potentially the unique challenges and opportunities for the philanthropic sector as we look at new technology. Uh, my guest today here on the CAF America Radio Network is Jeffrey Neuberger, um, and he is a partner and co-head of the technology media and telecommunications group, uh, member of the privacy and cybersecurity group, and editor of uh, the uh, ProScours um, uh, firm's new media and technology law blog. Uh, welcome here to the CAF America uh, radio network. Uh, thank you for being my guest here on the show, Jeffrey Newberger. Thank you, Ted. Great to be here. Now, Jeffrey, let's, um, let's start off because there are going to be some who are listening uh, today that have probably heard the, the phrase blockchain but don't really know where it fits. Uh, they've probably maybe even heard of Bitcoin and think they're the same thing, that maybe cryptocurrency is the same thing. Um, can you help us just sort of frame what is blockchain, what is not blockchain, and why are we talking about it today? Sure. Well, um, blockchain, simply put, is a, a system where a database is spread out across a number of nodes in a network. And um, it's and there's no central uh, trusted node. The way it works is that a database is replicated across a number of nodes, and everybody, all the nodes have an identical copy of the database. Every time a transaction is conducted, the community verifies the transaction, and the way they do that can vary. 
And once the transaction is verifi verified, all of the databases on the network are updated. Uh, it's, it, there's a, a high degree of visibility uh, and no central controlling entity. So that's blockchain. It's also referred to as distributed ledger technology. The issue of cryptocurrency is, is different. Cryptocurrency is actually an application of blockchain. So cryptocurrency uh, is uh, a value, a, a digital value uh, that can be bought and sold and exchanged on a blockchain platform. So really it's a type of application that runs on blockchain. The most well-known and earliest application is Bitcoin. Uh, today, there are many others. There, are, there is Ether, uh, and then there are a whole series of uh, new types of cryptocurrency that uh, are issued in connection with what are called in initial coin offerings. Um, and so and the other piece of blockchain is something called smart contracts. And despite the name, they're neither smart nor are they contracts. They're actually just software applications that run on a blockchain platform, and they can, they can cause things to happen. So you can have uh, software that says if something happens, then something else happens. And so they're self-executing applications. Right. And just so that everyone is clear on the phrases that we're using today, a node as it relates to blockchain is a computer connected to that network that has a copy of the blockchain, um, a distributed ledger, as, as you're mentioning it, um, which is um, automatically updated across the network. And if at any time uh, a node has a copy of uh, the uh, the blockchain application itself that does not match the others, then it is no longer a part of the blockchain. And that that that's that's part of what makes this attractive is that in in theory it's harder to hack um, because you would literally have to hack all of the nodes on the blockchain simultaneously um, to update all of those uh, those records because anyone that's out of sync is no longer part of the blockchain. Is that correct? Yes, essentially that's correct. Uh, it depends on, on the specific blockchain implementation, but uh, the way the distributed nature of blockchain makes it um, very secure. The, the uh, insecurity, the hacks that you hear about are really on the uh, software components that are accessory to blockchain. So, for example, a smart contract that might have a bug in it or a wallet or some sort of offline storage mechanism that may have a vulnerability. But the, the, the core blockchain protocol is highly secure. Right. Um, so as uh, uh, those that are in leadership or those who are in management in uh, philanthropic organizations grow to understand what blockchain is, grow to see how the technology uh, could be applied. Um, there's a growing curiosity. I think that makes sense. Um, there certainly is um, a lot that is being uh, looked at and attempted in the for-profit space. Um, I think arguably um, uh, cryptocurrencies are, are one of the the, uh, the the best applications that have been actually implemented. Uh, there are others um, for profit, but very few nonprofit um, that you can really point to that have broad application that have uh, shown any sort of scale or enterprise um, activity in the broader philanthropic community. 
Talk about this this notion of blockchain coming uh, to the nonprofit sector, a blockchain for good, if you will. Why has this maybe not been adopted or has not found a measure of success on the same pace that we've seen in some sectors of the for-profit? Well, I think that um, you know the uh, there is a slow path towards implementation, but there are a lot of issues to be resolved first. Um, one area that I spend a lot of my time in is the legal and regulatory area, uh, and um, as as people think of new business cases and new applications, uh, it typically raises uh, questions. You know, how does the law based on traditional business operation, not-for-profit or for-profit, apply in the blockchain world? And so th that's an obstacle in some cases. Uh, you know, how, do, how, do, how, does a, uh, how does the tax treatment work? If you're dealing with cryptocurrency, what's the, what's the, tra the tax, appropriate tra tax treatment? The reputational issues. Um, people are familiar with some of the, the less um, uh, credible or more uh, the dark side of some of the early applications of Bitcoin. And so people are worried about um, the reputation as a charity. Will they somehow be tainted if they're associated with cryptocurrency or blockchain? Uh, the other thing is that, uh, you know, the most charities aren't set up to be technology companies. And so uh, it's important that a charity find the right technology partner. And at this point, I think there are many situations where the technology partners and the charities have different interests at, at stake. And um, so it's hard to find a, a meeting of the minds. Uh, there's a lot of volatility in the cryptocurrency space, and so uh, that's also an inherent risk. Uh, and generally, um, you know, the accountability issues uh, have have a lot of charities concerned. How do you um, actually deal with that and, you know, deal with the risks associated with cryptocurrency and what a donor is going to think? In reality, blockchain could provide an answer to that problem uh, down the road as well. In in general, I think there's a, a general feeling that one of the areas that could benefit most is is the notion of transparency. Um, you mentioned technology partners, but it's it's not inexpensive to uh, to organize and to support a blockchain network or the use of blockchain like technology. Um, there's an awful lot of computer power. Um, which is expensive, um, particularly at the high degree of security that you would want to demand if there's going to be, you know, Internet uh, transparency. Um, is that an issue that needs to really be squarely put on the table? Well, um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the technology behind blockchain is, is likely best provided by a technology partner, a partner that, you know, knows technology, and that's what they do every day. Uh, and the costs are high, although uh, as these platforms emerge, the, the costs get um, spread across the different applications. And, and, you know, it's not the case that a, a charity would need a dedicated application. They just need a platform for which their uh, activities would be conducted across. Uh, so, so the opportunity is there, but transparency in 
transactions offers perhaps the biggest opportunity for the char for charities because um, it will allow donors to see exactly uh, blockchain will allow donors to see exactly where their donation is going, what how is it used, what expenses uh, were associated with uh, with it, what the tax treatment uh, might be. So it gives it gives a lot of visibility and it actually brings the uh, donor and the beneficiary closer together and actually could uh, eliminate some of the redundancy or uh, inefficiency in the process. So having a technology partner and, and are there widely available technology partners looking to take on nonprofit programs at this point? Uh, well, there have been a number of initiatives. Um, there is, you know, um, on the commercial side, there's uh, organizations like IBM that have a big uh, technology platform that they make available. Uh, and then there are a number of other, um, you know, more, I, I would categorize them more as startups, but they are uh, involved in building platforms for nonprofits. Um, a company called BitGive, for example, uh, it has a has something called GiveTrack, which is a public ledger blockchain um, system for donations. So there there are different initiatives ongoing. But but are there broadly available, or, or would you say that these are in the test phase and not broadly available to to charities that are looking to blockchain? Yeah, I think these are all in the test phase. I mean, I, there's really whether you're talking about uh, charities or even in commercial application, much of the activity uh, involved in blockchain is still um, at trial or in pilot phases. Uh, there, you know, I think that over time there will be large-scale applications available for, for charities, but at, I think it's going to take some time for all the issues to be worked out. All right. We're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to start taking a look at, you know, what is uh, the, the level of risk in utilizing this technology? Where does regulation uh, fit in these overall uh, discussions? And what about security and protecting uh, donor reputation and charity reputation in being involved in such use of technology? And we'll be right back. You've been listening to the Capital. Welcome. You've been Welcome to the Cap America Radio Network, a production of the Charity. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at capamerica.org. If you're listening today, our phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 914-338-0855. Now, back to the Cap America Radio Network and our host, Ted Hart. And we are back here live with uh, Jeffrey Newberger. Um, and uh, my apologies for a little bit of a, of a, a voiceover uh, problem and concern there. But uh, we did finally get to the reminder that our podcasts are always available, uh, including this show, which will immediately be uh, placed into our podcast library available at capamerica.org after we finish uh, today's show. So, uh, Jeffrey, um, before we uh, went on um, uh, on break, um, I just sort of put out the issues of risk mitigation, regulatory compliance, and and reputation protection. 
Um, why don't we sort of break that down? And let's let's start off with uh, the notion of reputation protection and, and what uh, managers and leaders in the philanthropic space should know about um, blockchain in terms of how it helps with protection of reputation, but also some of the pitfalls that they should be aware of, or at least understanding what questions should be asked before they commit. Mm -hmm. Well, um, like any uh, new technology, there's there are a lot of people entering into the so-called blockchain space, and um, a number of them are, most of them are really smart, uh, ethical, um, uh, exciting opportunities and, and um, you know, good people involved. Uh, of course, you know, there are also people that, you know, see this as an opportunity to make some quick money and, you know, probably uh, have, you know, have not really thought through their business plans or and their initiatives. So I would, you know, I would um, encourage anybody who is thinking about partnering with a technology company to really kick the tires, do their diligence, look at who the, the people are behind the company, both from a technical point of view and from a management point of view, as well as from an investment point of view, who are the investors in the company, uh, because it's really important to uh, connect with, um, with a company with a good reputation. Uh, it could be, you know, it certainly could be an expensive and time-consuming setback if you partner with the wrong company uh, and, of course, uh, damaging to reputation. That's right. And, and our, uh, Calf America has made it its, its business to look at the broad sector of philanthropic use of uh, blockchain. And as you mentioned, there have been a number of sort of startups or interests that people have shown. Um, there have been some testing that has not uh, necessarily uh, provided the fruit that uh, was expected. Um, and so the, the, the pace of use of blockchain or distributed ledger or smart contracts seems to have slowed a bit. And one of the things that we've noticed is that regulatory compliance becomes a really big uh, topic when we're talking to uh, startup companies or companies that have been around for a while but have some technology expertise and are sort of looking uh, in this area. Um, there's almost a, 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 a shock and surprise that there would be any regulations that would need to be followed in the philanthropic space. And so I think um, not on purpose and certainly not maliciously, um, a number of companies approach this space as something that is regulatory free um, and find it surprising that there are longstanding regulations in place. What, what's your experience been in that area, and is regulatory compliance um, uh, sort of a big part of the questions that need to be asked before something is committed? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, you you can find um, great technologists who have, you know, have a masterful understanding of the technology and even have a vision for the business, but because they may not necessarily be familiar with the the business of philanthropy, uh, they might not understand the regulatory requirements around it. And so um, it's important to, to really um, find out how well um, your technology partner understands that. And in many cases, you know, you might find that, you know, they're totally ignorant as to what the requirements are. And then, you know, then you really have to question whether you want to partner with that entity or you want to find somebody that is more familiar 
or if you want to educate the entity and get them up to speed on on the requirements. Uh, you know, we see that uh, across the board in all applications, in all industries. Um, you know, regulation cuts across many, many industries, and uh, many of the technology partners out there are not really familiar with the, the regulations that apply to their applications. Mm -hmm. And in this case, um, particularly with the use of the Internet, there's often cross-border issues, and certainly that's a big topic for CAF America and philanthropists who may want to avail themselves of some of the, um, the purported benefits of blockchain and, and other related technologies, um, but, and, and assume that because you know, this is Internet-based, um, it, it speeds the, the, uh, the, the ability to transfer across borders. And, of course, it can and it does. Um, however, there are a lot of regulations for moving funds outside of the United States that must be followed um, for uh, philanthropic tax-receipted purposes, uh, but also increasingly large number of regulations in countries around the world that would be the host countries of the charities uh, that uh, philanthropists may want to uh, to support, and that often comes as as a bit of a, a shock and, as, and a surprise to those uh, who are very knowledgeable, as you mentioned, on the technology, but maybe uh, just um, uh, miss the point that there would be any regulations involved. Right. I mean, you know, as as I'm sure you know, uh, understanding the structure of those regulations across, you know not only the U.S., but as you said, the countries receiving the, the donations, the beneficiaries, uh, that's that's a significant undertaking and uh, probably would involve a, a quite a bit of legal advice. And so a lot of the companies that are out there providing these technology platforms just don't have the resources to to master that at this point. So it is an issue. I think you're right about that. So that brings us to um, Cap America's third R, which is uh, risk mitigation. So uh, you just mentioned, you know, one air, one way to sort of lower the risk that's inherent to new technology and to inherent to uh, new initiatives, and that is uh, to partner with those who are knowledgeable in the space, certainly uh, CAF America being one for the vetting of the charities that may be the beneficiaries. Uh, certainly um, we are experts in uh, the regulations, both uh, to move money outside of the, the U.S. Or, or Canada or, or the U.K., um, but also to move it into more than 110 countries that need to be monitored on a regular basis because uh, regulations uh, change very quickly uh, and often every year um, in many countries. Um, so that needs to be monitored. And then you mentioned earlier um, that uh, certainly uh, working with reputable companies that are attempting to create uh, service operations um, can uh, both uh, lower the risk, but also you mentioned or, or, or it seemed that there may be an opportunity to partner to lower cost because the cost of entry um, to new technology is always you know, higher than those who are using second and third generations of the same technology. Help sort of draw that together in terms of your thoughts um, and that of your firm in terms of um, the right questions to ask again and, and the right direction for risk mitigation. Um, well, I think that the, uh, you know, the, again, it goes to uh, the issue of the track record of the people involved and, you know, their uh, understanding of of not only the the risks that are associated with it, but their willingness to 
to learn more about the risks that are associated uh, and and the willingness to address and mitigate those risks. Uh, it's kind of a, a situation that you know you you're choosing a partner, uh, and if you're early in, you're choosing a partner that may not have been uh, tested uh, and vetted by others. Uh, and so you really have to, you know, be very careful and, and do your diligence. Of course, in a, in a few years, as these uh, these applications mature, uh, there'll be more of a track record, and um, you'll have a better sense of which companies understand the risks and are prepared to um, address them. Your firm, uh, uh, Proskauer, and you are the co-head of the Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group and head of the firm's blockchain group and a member of the firm's privacy and security group. So you certainly are um, a seasoned expert in this area. I would say that probably means that you've been around the barn a few times and you've seen things sort of come and go. Uh, you know, promises of technology that didn't quite pan out or things that weren't seen as particularly promising that then became the next big thing. Um, how would you sort of size up where blockchain sits for the nonprofit sector? We hear a lot and can read a lot about the, the for-profit sector, but I know you've had some, some time to, because you work, you work very clearly in the, the for-profit sector and advising and being an expert in this area, um, but because of that, you, you can see um, applications. What's the time horizon or what do you think um, the the actual application for the the average uh, grant maker foundation nonprofit uh, looking to avail themselves of some of this technology. Where is that window? Where is that time frame where this this becomes the the truly next big thing that's approachable by the average nonprofit? Yeah, I I think you know there there are a number of experiments ongoing. The people who are getting up to speed, learning about the business of being a nonprofit. I, I, you know, I have seen, um, I have seen, as you said, technologies come and go. I've seen technologies hyped to be the next big thing, and then they've sort of fallen by the wayside. I actually personally do believe that blockchain as an infrastructure will will change the way all businesses operate. Um, you know, cryptocurrency is, in my mind still you know still needs to be developed further and the regulatory landscape needs to be clearer but blockchain as a as a as a platform for a charity to accept donations and track and provide transparency to donors i think that's coming i would say probably in two two to two years two plus years um you'll have offerings in a marketplace that will um Will reduce cost, eliminate some of the redundancies that are in the system today, and uh, and actually provide a greater degree of transparency to uh, to donors and to recipients. So, what should uh, nonprofits be doing today um, as they continue to track this, as Cap America continues to track this, and to provide education and information about this? Um, or would you say, sort of the the use of blockchain for good is something that should continue to be monitored and watched for the practical applications to emerge. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, right now, depending on the particular charity and how um, how how much they want to be involved in emerging technology, there are trials out there that people can can get involved with. 
but assuming that that's not the case, uh, I think that you know the landscape, the, the the regulatory landscape is is going to evolve, and so that should definitely be um, on the radar screen. And then keeping uh, keeping abreast of what's happening from a technology perspective, and to the extent that charities have technology partners have you know that are large technology companies, they should talk to their partners and find out what those partners are doing in the blockchain world and see how they're going to, you know, evolve. The, the other thing is that blockchain is not going to replace the infrastructure of, of a charity or any organization. Blockchain is going to integrate with existing systems. And so uh, that is why it, it would be helpful for charities who are thinking about blockchain down the road to talk to their incumbent system providers now to find out what's on their roadmap in the blockchain world. And if they find that that the, the roadmap is not satisfactory, if the technology company is not planning on using blockchain, the charity might want to look around and see who else is out there that could provide the same functionality because you wouldn't want to continue to invest with an incumbent technology provider if at the end of the day uh, the technology provider is not going to be able to use blockchain as part of their solution. Jeffrey Newberger, ProScour, thank you uh, for being my guest here today. Solving uh, the problems of transparency and the use of technology is no simple task for any nonprofit organization. You can count on CAF America to continue to bring you experts like Jeffrey Newberger um, who will uh, help us understand these issues and stay abreast of their applications. Thank you again for being my guest here today, uh, Jeffrey, and for all of us, uh, for all of you joining us here on the CAF America Radio Network. Thank you. You've been listening to the CAF America Radio Network. Tell all your friends and colleagues to check out our production schedule. Sign up for our free newsletter and download our iPad and iPod-friendly podcasts at capamerica.org. Thanks for listening to the CAF America Radio Network.